Let's go to Luke chapter 8 from verse 4 to 15. Well, you know, you, know, you know this passage of scripture where we, basically it is um, the parable of the sower. And uh, we'll, be cross, we'll be cross-referencing this uh, portion uh, with Matthew chapter 13 uh, from verse 123. Uh, just cross-referencing. So uh, we are going back to our roots. I think you know so much about this parable of the sower. Uh, and, and last time when I was here at church, I told you that um, when you read scripture, you should always be on the lookout of the people that God has commended, that God has congratulated. And I said that there's a reason why God commends certain people in the scripture. And if you recall, I said, look why the Lord commends certain people and app that, copy, copy that. Okay? Remember I gave you this, the example of Moses. God says that my servant Moses has got a different spirit for he's the most humble on the face of earth. All right? He comments many other people, like people like Job. He says, uh, he asks the devil, um, have you considered my servant Job, uh, Job? For he's a different man. He says, David, my son David is a man after my own heart. So remember that. That scripture search out for those commendations. They, are very, they build your faith. I think I want to tell you today is this. That in scripture, when you read a story that is repeated more than once, there's a reason why God is repeating it. This book is very small. Is very small and it holds the whole universe. So God cannot dare repeat a statement without a reason. Because there was so much to write in very few books. But let me give you a second why God repeats certain things, especially in the Gospels. There are certain stories that are repeated in all the Gospels. For example, this, uh, the story of, um, of the five loaves and the three fish is the only story, I think, in the, in the Gospel that is repeated across all the four Gospels. This story is also repeated in at least two or three of the Gospels, uh, the story of the soul. For certain reason, God repeats them because there are certain elements that one writer will not say intentionally by the Spirit of God, but another one says it. And when you get that little comma that this one didn't say, my brother, it takes you miles away. It just builds your faith like that. Amen. So there are also some things that are said by Luke in this, in this portion that are not said by Matthew. Okay. So I'll try to show you the differences and why they are the way they are. Okay. Let's go to uh, from verse, uh, Luke 8, 8, 4 to 15. Um, I prefer King James Version, if you have it. Okay. And when, I'll, I'll read mine. And when a great multitude had gathered and they had come to him from every city, he spoke by a parable. A sower went out to sow seed, and as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and it was trampled down, and the birds of the air devoured it. Uh, six, some fell on the rock, and as soon as it sprang up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. Seven, and some fell among thorns, and thorns sprang up with it and choked it. Very important there. But others fell on good ground, sprang up, and yielded a crop a hundredfold. When he had said these things, he cried, He who has ears, let him hear. Nine. When his disciples, then his disciples asked him, saying, What does this parable mean? And he said, 
To you it has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but the rest is given in parables that seeing they may they, that seeing they may seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. 11. Now the parable is this that the seed the, the parable is this the seed is the word of God. Those by the wayside are the ones who hear then the devil comes and takes away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. 13. But the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear, receive the word with joy, and these have no root, who believe for a while and in time of temptation fall away. 14. Now the ones that fell among thorns are those who, when they have heard, go out and are choked with cares, riches, and pleasures of life, and bring no fruit to maturity. Finally, 15. But the ones that fell on the good ground are those who, are those who having heard the word with noble and good heart, keep it and bear fruit with patience. Praise the Lord. I think let's pray for this word. Um, Father, you, you declare that it's by your will that you beget us by the word of your truth that we may be a type of a first fruit in your kingdom. And this morning, Lord, we rejoice that we are indeed a display of your splendor. Lord, we pray according to your word, which you say that you send your word to deliver us from our destruction and to heal us from our diseases. We pray that, Lord, this word shall deliver us, shall heal us, and set us free. Lord, prepare our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. Alright, so... um. I am titling my message as the realities of the different soils. The realities of the different soils. Someone once said that the heading of this parable is not appropriate. It should have been the parable of the soils. And you'll see why. So uh, I'm, I'm calling the realities of the different soils. Basically, soils in this, in this case meaning characters, individuals of people. But before I go there, I wanted to give you a little bit of testimony. Um, because I realized that God was preparing me at that time because I was passing through a type of a soil. Amen? Uh, Miss Alice has been saying certain statements here, also repeating. She's saying, she was saying that the Lord promised that he will not leave us as orphans. Do you remember that? I think she was quoting John. Christ was telling the disciples that I'm going to the Father and I'll send you another helper. And I won't leave you as orphans. And several times he repeated that. And there's a reason that Christ repeated that. The same thing is echoed by James. James says this. He says, Brethren, is there any good and pure religion? If there is any good and pure religion, is this, that you take care of your widows and orphans. The reason why James says this and Christ says this is because of this. That if you have not been an orphan, you don't understand trouble. Brethren, I pray that as we grow as parents, we pray that God will give you full years that you may live to see your children grow and become independent. Orphanhood is bad. 
It's bad for the person taking care of you as an orphan, and it's bad for you as an orphan as well. Because you're so sensitive as a person. I'm telling this story because um, I have got a history, I've got a background of being an orphan. I can't, talk for, I can't, I can't vouch for, for the widows, I'll talk for the orphans. I had the privilege of having exposure with the word of God at least for a whole year before I became an orphan. And I think God was preparing me with the word because I was going to become a type of soil going ahead. And my parents left me with very tiny children. All right? And I was the first one. So, that time I'm born again one year. And brethren, the one year I was born again, I, I attended any teaching of the word of God that was available. Call it in the morning, I'll be there. That was very significant for me because of the dry season that was going to come along the way. So for a period of about seven years, we were real orphans. And it was hard. Hard because of the nature of life, but also because of the nature of the community. Brethren, we are as good the way we are like this until our real lives are threatened. That's when our, three, our real characters come out. If today we were put in a corner, all of us with good suits the way we are, and we fasted, not fasted, there was no food for a whole week, and someone threw in one loaf of bread, my brother, you will not be telling the next one, praise the Lord. It is survival for the fittest. That's how human beings are. All right. So the community as well preys on the weak. When you are weak in the community, the community has got a way of preying on you for survival. And the easiest link, the, the cheapest people, the easiest people to target are the orphans. That's why Christ says, please take care of the orphans. They are weak. Brethren, in short, for a period of about seven years, the community preyed on us. Okay? Not only the community, even the environment. I've never seen such a big rat in my, in my, with my eyes. And cockroach. And weeds. You know, nature hates a vacuum, right? Every time we cut grass this side of our, of our compound, within one week, it's like there was fertilizer. They'll all spring up and come back in power, you know. And ants, you know, ants, the mutual. Man, they ate our house. You know, you'll be sleeping at night and you'll just be doing cha from the ceiling boards. They also understood this house, they are orphans. They were taking advantage of us. But most hurtful is when the community decide to take to pray on us, I'm saying. I'll just give you a, a, the last one, a, a, quick, a, a quick one. Um, after we had been orphans for a while, we had, been give, we had been left with a few goats, a few not goats, sheep. And so, uh, being poor and me being in, at, the, at, at that time I was at the university, that was the, our only source of livelihood. So we'll sell one and buy food for my sisters, who are, as God had it, they were about 15 years, uh, 13, 13, 15 years younger than me. So they were pretty young. Okay. So we sold almost all the goats except one that we were keeping for the most rainy day. So one day I'm at home, and as it were, the nature will tether that, will tie that sheep to a rope and allow it to, 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 to graze around. And uh, that particular morning, 
that sheep, as we put it outside, as we were back at home waiting for breakfast, making breakfast with my sisters, we saw the sheep coming home in the morning without the rope. So I was shocked. I asked my younger sister, I thought you went to tie the sheep. How come it has come back home? She told me, yes, I did what you told me to do. I thought, okay, now you do this. You go following the steps of the sheep and bring the rope. And at that time, that rope was very expensive. Five shillings, ten shillings was very expensive. So I told her, I'll go back and get the rope, bring it. So she went looking for it and came back and told me, my brother, in short, I can't find it. I told her, have you checked the radius? She told me, I couldn't find it. So as we were conversing like that, a certain woman neighbor from the community comes around and asks, guys, what are you talking about? We are talking about a rope. Uh, our ship is here and I've sent this girl and she couldn't find it. So the neighbor tells me, could you be talking about the rope that I've seen X and Y carrying it? I thought, hmm, why would he carry a rope? He says, well, I can't explain, but yes, I've seen him with a dirty rope. So I realized that this, the, the problem has, been, has escalated, so I need to address it myself. So I took some shortcuts, ran, 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 and I threw my plantation, and I was in the compound for that neighbor. And verily speaking, he walked in with a rope. Are you seeing how the committee is praying on us? That they can even steal a rope of a ship. How can we become so callous as a community? But that's, that's the human flesh, right? They are praying on the weak. Now, I didn't know that we were going towards the end of our dry period. Anyway, I want, because of time, I want to give you how the dry period ended. So let's go to the rocky soil. So, Christ gives this um, parable, and the disciples call, call him aside and ask him, Lord, can you tell us what it means? And he, gives, he begins giving them the different types of soil. So please hold your finger on that often thing. So I don't lose you. I'll only focus on three, uh, for the sake of time, I'll only focus on three types of soil. The first soil was the rocky soil. And Christ says, the rocky soil are the people or the seed that fell in soil that not have depth. Remember that? That it not have depth. And with the time, it fell away because of lack of depth. My brethren, that year that I stayed in the feet of Jesus Christ prepared me for the seven dry years that were coming along. The way men of God mentored me to see challenges and have faith. At that time, I didn't know what it was. I only used to say, let's have faith. I used to tell my sisters, let's have faith. Every evening during our, our, our uh, devotion, I'll tell them, things will change. One day things will change. But someone had taken time to give us depth during our youthful years. And depth comes in two ways. Number one, depth comes in revelation. Depth comes 
in Revelation. That when we, when we sit the way we are sitting and we experience the word of God and we worship, God gives us a revelation that digs our foundation deeper and deeper for the issues of life that are coming our way. Amen? Talking about revelation, the same funeral I told you uh, that I attended in Dar es Salaam. As they were burying the old man, the father of the children, one brother tapped on my shoulder and asked me, Godfrey, have you noted that Isabella is not as affected as the other siblings? I had not noted. But then I took notice. Isabella is the lady who sings in our worship team. So here we are burying the father. But along the way, all through, she was the one who was strongest, strengthening her mother and her other younger siblings. So I took note. Then this brother asked me, Mlongo, let me ask me, Brother Mlongo, why do you think Isabella is that strong? So before he answered, he began theorizing why Isabella is strong like that. He told me it's because she's a medical doctor and she has seen enough deaths. Okay. Well, I thought this man is very smart. How do you think like that? Okay. Then I told him, it's called, I told him, it's called brother, 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 brother. That could be true. But there's something else. Told him, what is I told him? Isabella knows something that other siblings could not be knowing. And I left it like that. I didn't want to go in detail. So as we were driving out, the brother comes and says, Brother Mlongo, I'm being troubled. What do you mean by Isabella knows something that others don't know? My thinking is this. Isabella being grounded in the word as she is in the church, she has got revelation of what death is. Because the Bible says that you believers should not mourn as the people of the world, right? So she knows the, the role of death in the human, in the human, in the, in the human community. Of course, there's that pain as a, as, as a family, but she has got hope beyond the grave. For me, that was the theory. That Isabella is stronger because she has been equipped well in terms of foundation. But also, <clears throat> foundation, in the real sense of it, in the real sense of doctrinal preparation, in the real sense of being equipped by the word of God. I recall Brethren, when I was, um, still, um, uh, when I was still in school, there's this building in Nairobi downtown. Uh, it's called um, where it used to host Nakumat, Nakumat, uh, Nakumat Life something. Nakmat lifestyle, yes. When that building was being put up, I was a lanky young guy, skinny young guy, a first year at the university. And the reason why I remember it very well is because I would cross there so many times going to anniversary towers uh, to follow up my loan issues and bursaries. All right. So I would pass there so many times. But one, when I was passing there, I realized one thing. At that time, I thought they were drilling borehole for water for Nairobi because they kept drilling and drilling, and drilling. And every time I passed to go check on the, on the lawn, I, I kept on checking the hole, how far it had gone. And it had gone so deep. So deep. Several years down the line, I drive there to park. I go first basement, second basement, third basement. Remember those guys? It's up to the fourth, right? Yes. I think it's the only building in Nairobi with the fourth basement parking. Recently I passed there and I noticed that they are putting something else on top, right? Several floors. I don't know if you have noted that. People, you live in Nairobi, I'm, I'm a foreigner here, but you have not seen that. I noted they are putting on several floors on top. 
But you, you know why they're doing that? It's because of the foundation they dug and dug and dug. So in life, brethren, the more you dig in terms of doctrine, in terms of teaching of the word of God, the more other things can be put, the more other things can be put in the basement. Amen? So that is the first soil that Christ talks about. And saying, please, you need to build a foundation if you have to stand. And the foundation in terms of revelation and in terms of teaching. And that is why uh, I love churches that teach the word, that take time to study the word, that take time to teach Sunday school. I love that. One day I went to a church in, in, a, in, a, uh, in Mombasa. It's a nice church, but they always used to have children in the main service. Uh, so for first, second Sunday, I thought it was a mistake. Third Sunday, I decided, no. Let me go ask the pastor. So I came and asked the pastor, Pastor, these children here, don't you have a plan for them? He says, then what do you mean? I told him, Sunday school. But the issue of asking is because it's very easy to forget these little ones. But that's where we are building the foundation of the little ones, right? So it's very important that uh, we, we build that one. Uh, we build the foundation. Uh, the word of God, another thing that um, I need us to, to know about um, this type of soil, if you read Matthew, the Bible says, uh, from the, it says that this kind of people fell away because of the word. I can't paraphrase it nicely, but because of the word, the temptations came. I don't know how to put it, but that's how to paraphrase it. That the temptations came because of the word. It is, it is the word that was producing the temptation, the trials. Are we following? That because of the word they had, it produced the temptations, the trials. My seven years that I've mentioned, the years I had the word were equipping me for the trials that came my way. And my brothers, there were many. The seven years, there were many. If today God told me to go back to that experience, I'll tell him, please, take me to heaven. Those were heavy trials. So here the Bible is saying that the word of God produced the, 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 the trials. It, is, it was a product of our trials. Just to strengthen our faith. But it's really in the life of Christian. I think, remember that time I told you last time when I was here, um, I told you that immediately Christ told uh, Jairus that let's go home and heal your daughter. Recall that story where, Christ, where Jairus comes to Christ and tells him, Christ, my daughter is sick of the palsy, and can you come and heal my daughter? And as they were going along the way, an interlude happens, the woman with the uh, issue of blood. Long story short, is as Christ handles the woman with the issue of blood, a report comes from home and they say, Jairus, don't trouble the master anymore. Your daughter is dead. Remember what Christ told Jairus? He didn't allow Jairus to speak. He then told Jairus, Jairus, just believe. For one single reason. The word you had was meant to bring what you have just had. Therefore, Jairus, don't say a word. Just believe. Hang on that word. Brethren, the day you hear the word of God and understand it, I can assure you, the devil will come your way. And it comes your way for one major reason. So that that word does not become productive. He knows that the word of God in your spirit becomes 
productive. I gave you the story last time here of, um, uh, of, of these major plants, bigger plants. And I told you that when a plant reaches one or nine knots on the, on, on, on the, on the, on the tarmac, it can't abort takeoff. That's how the word of God works. That God prepares you and the devil knows that if this man or this woman will stay with his word, he will be a different product. So he comes to kill it in, in its infancy. Same thing with Christ. Christ is born and Simeon comes and prophesies on, about Jesus Christ. Anna comes and prophesies about Jesus Christ. The angel of God has prophesied about the child. And what happens? Herod says, all children below the age of three, dead. Why? He wants to kill the word that has been spoken. That's how the devil works. Let's go to number two. Number two is the thorny soil. And then I'll just give you a little bit later on the hints um, of how to deal with those challenges I've just mentioned. The thorny soil. One reality about the thorny soil in both those two um, portions of scripture that I've mentioned, Matthew and, 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 and Luke. In Matthew it doesn't say this, but Luke says this. Luke says that and the thorns grew with the seed. Are we together? That as the seeds were growing, so were the thorns. In other words, they were growing in parallel. When you gather two centimeters, it gathers one centimeter or three centimeters. So it was a competition. Whichever will be the first strong will overcome the one that is weak. That's what happens in nature. For those who are farmers like me, when you grow your beans or your maize, it depends on the strength of your weeds. That's why we weed, right? We weed to, um, to weaken the weeds. If the weeds become stronger, they constrict the ability of, 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 of the product or the seed to bear. All right. So see here, what the Bible is saying, saying that the seeds were growing with the thorns. And Christ says this. He tells them that and thorns basically are the cares riches, and pleasures of life. I like what Matthew says. Matthew says, is the deceitfulness of wealth. Okay. So, point number one, that when you hear the word of God, the thorns will also keep growing as the word grows. As you dig deep growing, also the devil is preparing his weeds to compete with the revelation that you have received. And they come in the nature of pleasures, um, wealth, and others. And brethren, one point is this, that wealth and riches are some of the greatest temptations in the faith of man. If you think poverty is, is difficult, when you are a Christian, wait until you are rich. Someone said this, said that, that wealth has got a way of loosening 
the demons that were locked up by poverty. And I tend to, th- I tend to agree. They say that it's not wealth that brings, not money that brings out the characters in us, but it just exposes the things that were dormant, right? Now they get opportunity to express themselves. Brethren, the deceitfulness of wealth has got a way of choking the word of God, has got a way of choking faith. And that's why Christ is very categorical. He says, I have come to preach the good news to the poor. Brethren, I love sharing the word of God with the people who we think are the poor. Those guys have been equipped with faith. I love sharing the word of God with my barber, with my tax guys, with my watchmen. Those guys are equipped with faith that guys with Prados and Range Rovers don't have. But why is wealth being put in this dimension? One is that wealth has got a way of giving you false security. It's got a way of making you indispensable. When you feel that you have arrived, you start feeling like it was my strength. And man, that thing comes stealthily. That feeling of indispensability, that feeling of security, it comes so subtle as a believer. One day you wake up in the morning and you realize the last time I talked to God is four months ago. You become all of a sudden busy because you've got projects to run. And someone said this, actually the Bible says this, it says that a man who loves money is never satisfied with money. Some other wise man told me that Mulongo, the best gift to give to a millionaire is another million. So when you, when you go to visit Trump, please don't take him nice coat, nice suit. Take him a check of another one million dollars. He will call you again for another meeting. My point is this, that the more you have wealth, as the Bible says, the deceitfulness of wealth, the more you feel that you want to get more. I don't know why. It's just a certain feeling of wealth that thinks that you need to wake up and look for more. <laughs> My brother Mwango was asking me a very difficult question yesterday uh, when you were coming from the airport. He was asking me, Mwango, why, why do people keep looking for money all the time, even when they already have enough? Especially when we were talking about politicians. There are politicians who never say enough. They see an open ground field, even for a school, they want it. You wonder, this man, how many hands does he have? Okay, but that's the nature of human beings. The more money you have, the more you feel, if the Spirit of God is not in you, you feel you want for th- It's in the Bible. Remember the story of uh, the king, uh, the husband of Jezebel. What was his name? Ahab. Ahab was a rich man. Alright? And then he sees a vineyard. Close, and he says, ah, 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 ah. and the guy is a poor man. And the guy becomes a small baby. Going to Wimba in bed. And wife asks, my, my husband, you are the king, what's going on? He says, hey, <laughs> That vineyard behind here. That's why I am not eating. My heart, you will try to imagine President Uhuru crying in bed. Are you trying to picture that? Because he has seen our small ground here in the church. He goes to tell uh, his vice president, hey, you're meeting Miss Yendi. I can't read that meeting. Why? Hey, my heart is, is, it is sour. Because 
Are you seeing what wealth can do? You become a small whimpering baby. You have enough, but you still want more. Slowly he's choking King Ahab. Taking him close to the age of sin. Alright? Finally, about this type of soil. He talks about pleasure. Pleasure makes you careless. The Bible says that a man who loves oil and pleasure shall not prosper. Pleasure makes you makes your vision be clouded. And that's why parents who are rich object to their children loving pleasure. Have you noted that? If you have been very keen, the parents who are rich and wealthy, they like keeping their children busy and keeping them away from pleasure. They know that pleasure constricts our sight. It affects our sight. One most important thing uh, I love about the Bible, how to talk, how to talk all these kind of, of thorns. There's a guy in the Bible called Aga, the son of Jakea. Proverbs 30, if you have read that, that man writes strange things for me. <laughs> if there's some strange uh, part of gospel, it's that one and the Ecclesiastes, some portions of, of But this one is very, it, it challenges me. Jakea is the guy who writes about three things and four things. You say, for four things and three things. Okay? They never say enough. Remember those things. Jakea is, is a very weird man in the Bible. The reason why we don't put so much attention on that chapter 30 is because chapter 31, there is the most wonderful one that we like. The woman of virtuous character, right? We love that one, especially if you are single. Young men love that one. Okay? Uh, that, you know, this is the kind of wife I want. They don't know why, they go, why God asks a question at the beginning. He says, and a virtuous wife, who can find? They don't understand why the God asks that question. That's another topic for another day. So, Jakea, the son of, um, I mean, uh, Agar, the son of Jakea, says, God, <laughs> there are two things I've asked of you. Do not deny me until I die. One of the political leaders, again, likes quoting that, uh, one of those. He says, I am asking for two, th- two, two things. Father, do not deny me. One of them is this. Tell the father, Father, give me bread. Give me my daily supplication. Remember that? Then he says, I like that. He says, Lord, feed me the Lord that is allotted to me. Feed me the food that is allotted to me. Chapter 30, I think chapter uh, uh, verse 7. Father, uh, feed me with the food allotted to me. And then he tells him, give me neither poverty nor riches. Okay. Lest I steal. You know that? Another one he asks for is, Father, keep away falsehood away from me. How many of you have prayed that prayer? I've prayed that several times. Brethren, if you are born again, there are so many tools out here. Uh, Maria Karian and Thugs who want to take advantage of your goodness. Yes, I have been called in Nairobi here. Several times I've become now tough. When you say you are born again, uh, I really have to be so sure. 
because guys who are born again have called me or really plan to be born again, so to speak. Among knows this. <laughs> so uh, the guy here prays, God, give those guys, keep those guys away from me. But most importantly, he says, God, feed me with my allotment. Brethren, that's a powerful prayer to pray. That God, give me the things that are due, that I can manage in life. So that I do not covet like uh, that king. What was his name again? Ahab. Father, feed me with the food that allotted to me. And that's why in scripture, when God is talking to, talking to Joshua, he's so categorical about the boundaries. He tells Joshua, and the boundary for sons of Benjamin begins from Hebron on this side and the west this side. He was so keen so that you get content with your allotment in life. So brethren, for you to be productive in terms of that area as, as it is, Learn to be content with your allotment. Pray that God gives you wisdom to know your allotment in life. One person called says, I want to keep on my land. Keep on your land. Final soil, in the interest of, in the interest of time, is the good soil. The good soil. And the good soil, if you compare those two, um, Matthew and, and, and Luke, they've got these two things. Matthew says, and those who fell in uh, just 15 bear good fruit with patience. Matthew misses that one out. He says, with patience. Brethren, bearing good fruit comes with patience. It's not an overnight business. When you see people having good business, go talk to them. I like what the Jakes keeps saying. The Jakes keeps saying, people want my anointing but they don't want my process. He says, if I can give you a half of what I went through, you will tell me, keep your anointing. Keep it yourself. So good food comes with patience. But also more important, in Matthew, it talks about, um, Luke doesn't talk about, but Matthew says, others bear hundredfold, others sixfold, others Thirty folds. There has been too much theology about that, the differences. It is very similar. It shouldn't be confusing us. What the Bible is saying here is the same thing it says in the parable of the, of the talents. Remember that? When Christ comes back, the master comes back and calls the servants. The one who receives five talents, another one three talents, another one two. One, rather. And when he was going, he says, the Bible says, he gave each according to his ability. Don't miss that. That the five was given five because of the size of his court. Another one was given three because of his size. Another one was given one because of his endowment. So the one who had been given five, he brought, if he brought back three, he would have underachieved. If the one who was given three brought two back, he will have underachieved because of the ability that God had put in him. So God in his good nature equips us with seeds that are and the ability to achieve our dreams. In all of us, that if God wants you to run a marathon, he can't give you the speed of a sprinter. Are we together? 
And God is so faithful that all of us, He has put seeds and abilities in all of us. Each one of us. Some of us have got five. And that's the reality of life, brethren. Even in this church, as we sit, we are all born again. And we spoke in tongues. But this is the reality. Some of us here will have more money than others. And we are all brothers of the same household. Even your brothers. You are born the same mother, same father, went to the same schools. Some of you got as others. And we are all brothers brought up the same way. But none of you is greater than the other one. It's just ability of a father. He has decided that you, let me give you speed. You'll be swift like Mulongo. Have a small body for running sprint. For you, my brother, I'll give you comfort. You have got big size, you are good for comfort, right? <laughs> that's, that's God, right? He's a good father. He knows his children. Amen? I recall, brothers, I, as I come to conclusion, uh, the choir comes on top. I, I, I once went to, to visit my uncle. And um, we were very close to my uncle. So, my uncle wanted us to dig a, a well for him. So he invited me to be the chairman of the committee to assemble the money from the, from the children. He told me, Godfrey, you are giving the task to assemble money from my children. Say, so talk to them. I want a well for my cows. And then he told me, but don't talk, don't include so. His son told me, don't include so. You know, I thought that is a strange instruction, right? So I asked him, Ango, why don't you want me to include so? He told me, Godfrey, um, I am a father and I know the hearts of all my children. So he says, there will be another project where he will be needed. For this one, don't include him. When that old man died, I saw it play in front of my eyes. He had so many sons. And the one he singled out not to be part of the project was the only outlier. I hope you understand what I'm talking about. In terms of planning for the funeral and everything else, he was the only always one sitting at the back. Then I remembered so many years ago, this old man told me not to include this guy in, his, in the project. The father knew the hearts of the sons. So brethren, um, let's run the rest that the Lord has alluded to us. But finally, uh, the Bible says that submit yourself to the Lord, resist the devil, and he shall flee from you. I think that should be my parting shot. That as far as those seeds are concerned, the various categories of soils, the most important part is submit ourselves to the Lord and the devil shall free from us. 
It's not how much you cast the devil out, though that's important. It doesn't matter how much you pray. But the most important part, submit ourselves to the Lord. And it shall be well with us. Amen. Shall we clap for the Lord? And I, I, I welcome you to stand with us. We make one final prayer uh, to react to that word and, and that shall be. Uh. Yeah, let's close our eyes and just react to. I don't know what God has spoken to you, but I just want us to, to lift up our voices, lift our hearts before Him, and uh, just ask Him to take over our lives this year, as even as we fast and pray, that uh, it shall be well with us. Father, we worship You. Lord, we call on Your name this morning. Maisha yangu bana tawala 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 maisha yangu o tawala ewe bwana tawala maisha yangu bwana tawala 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 maisha yangu Tawala maisha yangu bwana tawala 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 maisha yangu bwana tawala ewe tawala maisha yangu bwana tawala 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 maisha Tawala imani yangu bwana Tawala Oh Yesu Let's worship him. Let's worship him. Let's worship him. 
those that are on the rocky side, the Lord would like to come through to you to help you. So that what comes up does not die before it yields. May the Lord help you to see what, side, what is the rocky part of your heart. What is the only part of your heart that needs help? If I were you, I would say, Lord, I surrender to you. Help me, Jesus. Without you, I can do nothing. If I rely on my own understanding and knowledge, I will not make it. One of the words that he brought forth when he was speaking, he brought the word revelation. You need God's revelation to understand everything that God says. It is him who gives us that revelation. Our intellect is not sufficient. We can study that word and not understand it. I need to surrender to him. One more time. Tawala maisha yangu. Tawala, tawala, tawala maisha yangu. Tawala ewe twana. Tawala maisha yangu. Tawala, tawala, tawala maisha yangu. Lord, we surrender our life to you today. Without you, we are just but nothing. We cannot make it without you. But with you, we can do all things. Lord, we desire to move to the next level. We desire to move from where we are so that we can yield sufficient fruits. On our own, we cannot make it. We need the Holy Spirit to guide us. We need your word, everlasting master, to speak to us. May you, O oh God, minister to your people today. May you release the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of knowledge, the spirit of understanding to us, that we may hear you and know what you are saying at this time. Lord, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your word because your word does not change. Because your word remains you, King of glory. Help each one of us to receive that word, to internalize it, and allow it to work and to guide us. Holy Spirit, lead your people into the path of righteousness, into the direction that you are taking them. As individuals, as a church, Lord, as a nation, O God Almighty, Lord, may we not miss your visitation. May we not miss you when you come. Help us to hear you. Help us to know you. Help us to understand you. We thank you, Jesus, and we give you praise. Let me ask this question. Is there anyone in our midst who is not born again? You know you are not born again. Let's give you a chance to give your life to Jesus. Lift up your hand. I pray with you. You came to church. You are not born again. You like to give your life to Jesus. Lift up your hand. Anyone saying, Pastor, pray with me. Are we all born again? Good thing if we are all born again. The sad thing is that we don't invite our neighbors to come to church. Especially those that are not born again. Please. The church 
is for all of us. Those who are born again and those who are not born again. Kindly please invite your neighbor to come to church with you. Or a relative who is not born again. In this church we welcome them. It's not just for the born again. The church is actually for the sick. Those doors we open them for those that are sick, isn't it? Amen. So please, next Sunday, do me a favor. Invite your neighbor or a relative who is not born again. Lord, I pray for your people today that your favor be upon them. Your grace be upon them. Lord Jesus, bless the work of their hands. This week, Lord, whatever they lay their hands on, may read prosper to the glory and honor of your name. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. Hallelujah. Have you been blessed? Let's appreciate Jesus.